number 16. Hello again. This is Sunshine on Issues, reports from the State House in Tallahassee. I'm James Call, Capitol reporter for the Tallahassee Democrat and a former Capitol Bureau Chief for the Florida Public Radio Network. Every week, we create an audio ideas landscape of public policy. I walk around the Capitol complex, people tell me things, and then I tell you what they told me. It's the second half of the 2018 legislative session. The House and Senate have passed competing budgets. The House is playing the bully with a bullying bill, and things are moving so quickly that this is the fourth rewrite of episode 16. Sunshine on Issues reports from the State House and Tallahassee. We're also dealing with a flu epidemic, a virus that zaps your energy and clouds your mind and sinuses. Here's what we have, budget talk. And then we'll touch on the HOPE scholarship idea for bullied students with an exchange between three public school teachers and the house sponsor. Also, a St. Augustine preacher lit up the rotunda with a stirring call to arms for revived poor people's campaign. And Roger Stone of Get Me Roger Stone of the 2000 election debacle, he was in town. Let's get Roger Stone out of the way. I asked Bob Radcliffe the other day if he was at the Tiger Bay speech given by the political operative Roger Stone. The former county commissioner said no. He said he wouldn't be able to stand to stand in the same room as Stone. Normally, someone banned by Twitter, CNN, and NBC and is world-renowned as a master of misinformation and disinformation would not be feted by the leaders of a community. But then again, this is Florida, and Tallahassee city government is the subject of a FBI bribery investigation, and Stone has ties to every Republican president dating to Nixon except for Ford. And he is a Trump advisor and did have a lobbying firm with Paul Manafort. So here's four minutes of Roger Stone. The Miami Herald's David Smiley joins the conversation. Then a crowd gather, and Stone fielded questions from whomever had one. One man's uh, dirty trickster is another man's freedom fighter. One man's dirty trick is uh, another man's civic participation. Politics isn't beanbag. This is a rough and tumble business. You got to do everything you can to elect your candidate short of breaking the law. That's basically what I've done. I've won some. I've lost some. I like to be in the arena. Uh, I have no intention of disappearing. I just heard you do an analysis that it's too ter- too early to do any analysis of what's going to happen 11 months from now. Yep. Could, could you recap what, what, what your thinking there was? Yeah, what, I just your think, point? you know, in, in politics, a, a week is a lifetime. We don't know what the issue is going to be. We don't know what the state of the economy will be. We don't know what the Democrats are going to run on. Uh, if the Republicans are running on job creation and prosperity and the Democrats are running on impeach Trump, I think that's a losing message. It's a negative message. The Democrats need their own program, pardon me, counter program. Uh, uh, so I think Republicans, a lot of my Republican friends are absolutely convinced they're going to lose the House. It's just way too early to sell. Mm-hmm. And the other point is that the comments about Paul Manafort, when you were asked whether yes. or not you think Paul Manafort was going to cut a deal, yes. you say you... You, you all don't roll, or what, what, what was that? I don't think he's going to bear false witness against the president to have the charges against him dropped. I just don't see him doing that. It's not his nature, 
and he'd have to perjure himself to do so. He knows of no Russian collusion. They haven't proven any. Uh, it, notice the indictment against him is for money laundering. Well, the money has to be dirty before you can launder it. Being paid by a democratic political party in the Ukraine is not illegal. Bringing the money inside the United States and not paying taxes on it would be illegal, but they haven't indicted him for tax evasion. So, um, you know, he'll have his day in court. I, I, I do think he'll go to trial. I do not see him uh, copying a plea. You're meeting with Corcoran uh, as a get to know you, but is there anything specific that you want to discuss with him? No, no, it's strictly social. Have you met with no, any of the other uh, governor's candidates? Um, I have not. But I but I met them all previously. Oh, okay, right. So, you know, so I, I, I kind of know them all. I certainly know Ron DeSantis well. Uh, I've met Adam Putnam. I don't know I don't know Gwen Graham. I don't know any of the Democrats. Do you expect that you will get involved potentially in the governor's race? I have no idea. Do you know what's next for you politically-wise? I have to finish a book, which I'm late on, which is uh, my my Stone's Rules book, which is was supposed to be in at the first of the year, but I got that nasty flu that was going around, so it really put me behind. Uh, but I will publish that. Uh, you know, the, my rules are, most of them are out there, but there's basics like two men can keep a secret if one of them is dead, you know, stuff like that. So, so your favorite book growing up was Conscience of a Conservative. Yes, that was is the there, book that, that got me into politics. Is there a role for a conscience in today's civil discourse? No, no question about it. People kind of describe you as Machiavellian. Have you ever read The Prince? Do you kind of? Oh yes, yeah. yes. I, I, I've read it. I've read Sun Tzu as well. Okay. Those are rules of engagement. I think you have to read both of them if you're going to be in this business. Would you call some of your own rules maybe modern adaptations of that? Well, if you buy the idea that nothing's original, you know, I say attack, 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 never defend. Yeah, I borrowed that from Winston Churchill, no question about it. But he borrowed it from Sun Tzu. I mean. There's really nothing new. It's just that these things are derivatives. What part of Italy is your family from? Sicily. Sicily. Are you getting together with Richard in his office or outside, having drinks, cigars? Uh, I honestly don't know. I'd have to ask my the guys moving me around here. Okay. I think it's a public. You've never met in a bar or something. You've never met Corcoran. No. What, 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 what you know of him? What you know of him? What do you think of the speaker? What's your analysis of the speaker? Uh, I don't yet have one, but he has hired Tony Fabrizio, who in my opinion is the single best political strategist in the Republican Party today. So if he's hired Fabrizio, he's got to be a pretty smart guy. Hmm. i got to get out here. Inside. Thank you, sir. Thank All right. You. Appreciate Thank you. it. Let's talk state budget. The House and Senate this week passed different versions of an $87 billion spending plan for next year. The House comes in at 87.2, the Senate 87.3, and the governor recommended $87.4 billion. Lawmakers plan to spend $4 billion more than they spent this year, a sure sign of an approved economy. They have about a month to work out the differences, so everyone is going to be talking budget until March 9th. The Hope Scholarship for bullied students could derail everything and send the process into overtime. The House has made $8,300,000,000 for public schools contingent on the passage of a sweeping education bill. It passed out of the House on a party-line vote. Among other things, it includes the Hope Scholarship. Teachers Union, parent groups, and Democrats say the proposal diverts money away from public schools and does nothing to stop bullying. It may even make matters worse. 
Here, we have an exchange with three public school teachers who confronted the House sponsor after a committee meeting. First voice you hear is Scott Mazors, a Tallahassee teacher. Representative Byron Donald cuts him off, and then Adrian Taylor, a middle school teacher, joins the conversation. We have to think about it on both relationships sides. and process. Yeah, so I understand that, but and here's what I'm gonna cut you off on. Sure. It's about relationships and process, but and I agree with that. But when that young girl is subject to something that no young woman should be adjusted to, she's not going to care about that process. Her parents are not going to care about that process. Her friends at school are not going to care about that process. They're going to want her to get help. And that's the process of and that, and that's, school. And that's, and our, I guess my concern on that point is, is, is we have, you know, we have a staffed guidance counselor at every school. We appropriate dollars now for school resource, which you brought up in your point. You know, my husband's in law enforcement. I get that side of it. Why are we not then staffing a mental health counselor at the school to deal with the problem where it is so that we can support the school in place where it is and we provide that service? Because our guidance counselors are no longer guidance counselors. Let's be real on the issue. Our guidance counselors are testing coordinators. They don't get to pull those kids and work with them. They don't get to speak with them about situations like this because they're pulled to deal with testing and the RTI process and behavior concerns or our behavior specialist is pulled to sub in a classroom because we don't have substitutes that can adequately fill our places when we're not there. And so why can't we put someone in this system to work with those kids where they are rather than pull those kids out and still have a problem there to deal with because that school is still left with that problem. We've taken the victim and removed them. Yes, I get that. I see that side of it when we look further on and we look further down the road and we look at domestic violence and, you know, battery and and sexual violence and things like that that occur in college. But at this age, to me, elementary, middle, high, we teach them problem-solving resolution through mental health counseling and give them the services they need in the situation that they're in. Because in life, when they get older, they can't just vacate the situation and leave the problem. They have to get help where they are. Uh, what I would say is, well, a couple things. Number one, this bill specifically is about the options for the victim. The other things you're discussing about mental health, actually actually restoring the role of a guidance counselor, which is, you're absolutely correct on that. Um, and a couple of the items, I think Senator Pasadomo has a measure in the Senate, and she's the K-12 Appropriations Chair in the Senate. Um, she's also one of my delegation from Collier County. She's actually has legislation talking about mental health. So that, I think that's going to be something we're going to see on our side moving forward. Um, with, a, with this bill, we're trying to just keep it as this bill and not expand the scope. We, and we, and I'm not, but, you know, there's other measures moving that are addressing that as well from the Senate side. That's the first thing I would say. The second thing is I completely understand about you don't want to create an environment where people are running from their problems. I know that. I got three sons. I don't let them run from anything. And I'm probably one of the toughest parents you'd ever see. Like, I'm hard on my sons. But there are some instances, not all, but there are some where if it were my son, I'm saying we got to go. And it's not, a, it's not a snap decision. And the first committee stopped, and this is what I said, I would, it was a two-hour committee, like an hour of questions. But in the first committee stop, I actually went through the decision-making process of a parent when you have to make a decision like this. And it's not like, oh, you came home crying, all right, we're leaving. It's not that quick. Not for most parents. For most parents, it's, what happened? Did it really happen? Oh, man, this is, he's, he's, it's day four. You're still, you're still crying about this. Let me contact the teacher. Do you know what happened? What can I even do? Maybe we got to get the guidance counselor involved. Maybe we got to get the AP involved, the principal involved. Have we come to a mediation of what we can do to fix the situation? Okay, let's see if that works. 
Has it worked? No, they're still crying. This is going on and on and on. We keep having meetings. I don't see the resolution as apparent. Respective of all the things that you guys are doing as a school, I am not seeing the resolution as apparent. And at that point, I got to make a decision for my child. Also this week, I watched what I thought was a mild-mannered gentleman transform himself into a dynamic speaker whose voice echoed across the rotunda and throughout the fourth floor of the Capitol and House and Senate buildings. Pastor Ron Rawls stood off to the side from the usual lineup of activists who were setting up a news conference. He and I started talking. I didn't know he was to be the featured speaker. I found a calm, friendly man quick to engage the stranger. He was in town because a North Carolina minister had launched a six-week Poor People's Campaign 2018. Rawls related it to Lent, 40 Days of Reflection. The action, he said, is year-round, but the 40 days is call attention to that action. He said when two-thirds of the jobs in Florida do not pay enough to afford the basic minimum necessity of housing, child care, nutrition, and transportation, then you are living in a morally deficient society, and we need to talk about it. Here's Ron Rawls of St. Augustine. And so I think in our country, um, the morality is, we're very morality deficient right now. And um, when I say morality deficient, that's just really concerned about our brother, brothers and our sisters um, that exist right alongside of us in this country. We're standing right outside the, the House of Representatives chamber. What can the Florida House do to improve the lives of poor people in Florida? Policies. Say what? Policies. Policy? Poli create policies that don't inhibit um, people from being able to access resources to feed their families, provide housing for themselves. I mean, you have a lot of policies. I'm sure you're very yeah. aware. So, so, so everything what, what, that can play a role. What I'm hearing you say right now keeps going back to the criminal justice system. And one of the big things that, that it is is those felony convictions and all the lifelong penalties that come attached if you're convicted as a felon. Is, is that on your that's, list? That's just one area. I mean, there are a lot of areas of systemic racism. And, um, and, and unfortunately, um, when, we're dealing with, when we're dealing with poverty, it's not always just about race. And we need people to understand, even people that say, you know what, they're so caught up on race to where if it seems like it's going to benefit another race they can't get along with, there are some policies that are in place that just are extremely difficult. That makes it extremely difficult for poor people, even poor white people, to get a leg up and to, to try to, to, to move to another tier in life so that they can be in a position to help someone else. Give me one policy. Um, I, I think a minimum wage would be, a higher minimum wage would be great. I, I think, um, um, you, you'll hear me mention it in my speech, um, but to make 865 an hour, 875 an hour, um, you can work 40 hours and you're only going to bring home $460 every two weeks. And, um, and so that's $920 a month. Um, that, even, that barely takes care of housing if you're able to find housing. Okay, now what about the rest of your life? And so now you have to go and find another job um, to be able to, to provide clothing and feed yourself. And God forbid if you, if you have children. Now, how are you going to take care of your children? But that's a hardworking person. And so, and so if, um, if our minimum wage was higher, um, it would put people in a position to be more productive and, um, and then make our state and our nation a better place. Okay, now that's how Ron Rawls talks to people.
Here's how Pastor Rawls preaches. We are here in Florida to stand in the gap. When God calls our name and wants to know who in Florida was willing to stand in the gap for the poor, we stand here. When God calls the roll and wants to know who in Florida was willing to stand in the gap for the distant franchise, we say here. When God calls the roll up yonder and wants to know who is willing to stand in the gap for the muted, for the underrepresented, for the misrepresented, the Florida poor people's campaign. This has been Sunshine on Issues, reports from the State House in Tallahassee. Ashley White is our producer for the Tallahassee Democrat and the USA Today Network Florida. Sunshine on Issues can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. Rate us to help others find us. And you can follow us on Twitter at Call Tallahassee or write to us at jcall@tallahassee.com. The Tallahassee Democrat has been promoting democracy since 1905. I'm James Call, the Democrat's Capitol reporter. I thank you for your time, and we'll be back next week.